0: Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler, buddy. Thursday night, we recording. We are recording. We got, we got beers. beers. <laughs> we got beers, not only beers. Partywood, fighting, hokey brews. Thank you, Wegmans, for carrying it. It's your pump, buddy. Clinkies. Clinkies. Cheers. Clinkies. Yes, sir. Hopefully, this fall in Lane Stadium, after the announcement that all, everything is going to be lifted come June 15th, they're selling those bad boys after the announcement last week about beer's going to be sold. That, stick it in, anything, but I'd love to see those two and only those two that support the school. Man, what about you?
1: Beer in Lane, man. Beer in Lane. That's a brand new way of life. And I can't wait to experience it, man.
0: <laughs> well, I just hope it's not one of those things. Me and you roll up there on a Saturday, and we tell our wives, like, oh, yeah, we're going to go up. You know, we're going to hit tides, have a couple drinks, go to the stadium, watch a game. We'll be home about midnight, 1 o'clock. About 8 o'clock hits, we look at each other. Ryan, we're, we're not making it back to the RVA tonight.
1: It ain't happening. It ain't happening. We we gonna find somewhere.
0: <laughs> well, if we can find some. We can just Uber over to Roanoke with uh, Jason Long, the chief musical officer here at the Boundary Corner Podcast. And you're like, hey, dude, we need to sleep in your basement. Tell um, Liz we're stopping by. Yeah, tell Liz we're stopping by. <laughs> I don't know how that'll roll, man. But you've been good this week.
1: I've been good, man. It's been a it's been a good week. We had a uh, good draft, Colts. Uh, Colts did pretty well. Um, didn't they go mean, where I thought we were going in the early rounds, but I think overall I like the draft. Um, what about you? How about how about your
0: Niners? I know uh, you dodged a bullet there, Bud. All right, that first pick, we 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 were on the phone with it, and when Trey Lance's name came up, it was like that's the pick. Where we are situationally, that is the pick you make. You know. Unbelievable talent, big arm, athleticism, playing in a pro style under center, big play action run game down at North Dakota State, um, and I was extremely happy. Uh, you know, and for everybody who said Mac Jones, Mac Jones. First of all, Niners don't leak. Those guys <laughs> are really making things up. Obviously, at the press conferences. And I think I told you about my, my theory was his pro day was on the 12th. Two weeks later, we make the trade. Two days later, he goes to work with John Beck. Yep, It just made sense. It's like I think we liked Justin Fields, and I think they like Matt Jones, too, in a way. They evaluated all three, but Trey was that guy. Um, you know, and then for us, you know, we pick up Banks out of uh, Notre Dame, the big guard. Sermon out of Ohio State, interesting pick, a power zone runner. First time we've ever taken positions that high under this regime. And then the Henry Thomas from Michigan, I actually mocked him like, I swear, 15 times at 102. And then, you know, good safety. And then last pick was the, uh, the uh, running back out of La Tech. Uh, I think it was La Tech. Uh, Lafayette, uh, Mitchell, who's like a 4-3-3 cat. You know, a couple of things I didn't like we didn't hit, but I think it's one of those where we didn't need it, but it is what it is. What, what's your what's your other few favorite picks besides uh, that first rounder? Yeah, so we got
1: quitty Pay in the first round, defensive end, went right back again to defensive end with uh, Dayo Alba-Yingbo. I – I feel like that's actually probably the higher, I guess probably higher uh, floor player. I, I don't know if he's going to necessarily pop like uh, like Quiddy has the potential to do, uh, but he's definitely a guy that you can put in there and be a productive rotational guy, potential starter. Um, I like the pickup of Kylan Granson at a SMU, the tight end. Um, Sean Davis, another solid pick there at safety scratched my head a little bit with uh with sam ellinger um but i think getting kind of a, a, a versatile type player that can throw the football um you know could, could could give us some other things to do with the quarterback position there so that's interesting um we had uh mike stratchkin at uh charleston wide receiver and then we finally went offensive line late in the draft got will freeze at penn state guard So, overall, a good draft. Like I said, I think just not going either tackle or some offensive line position earlier shocked me and probably, I think, shocked a lot of Colts fans. But doubling down on edge is not a bad choice because we need to get after the
0: quarterback. No, not at all. Doubling down on edge is never a bad choice because getting after the quarterback is such a key. Uh, Now, Brian, the Hokies had four draft picks. Obviously, the first one kind of broke your heart a little bit. Caleb Farley going to the Titans in division. Yeah. First of all, so happy for that kid. So happy for Caleb. Um, you know, unfortunately, he gets a positive COVID test two days before the draft, so he can't go up and walk across the stage. Um, but, man, I-, I love that he's going to a defensive-minded head coach. Love that.
1: Yeah, good, good to go to defensive-minded head coach. Um, you know, still got in the first round despite some of the the buzz about the injuries and things like that that were going around. Uh, glad to see that, you know, teams didn't quite take that as uh, as seriously as maybe some of the pundits did. And 22, a little sad for me that he's at the Titans, so I'll be pulling for him occasionally. But, 15 games a year. Yeah, exactly.
0: Unless it's like week 8, 17, and if they win, they're in, and you're out. Like, sorry, Caleb, lose. You will lose this week. Um, Correct. Now, didn't take long to the second Hokie was off the board after Caleb went off the of 22. 23 Minnesota Vikings select Christian Darris, saw Big Sea Dog going up to the North Country, and they needed line help. Um, obviously, they're sticking with Kirk right now as a quarterback. They took Mon later. But, you know, you think about what Mike Zimmer likes to do. He's an old school guy. He's a big run the football. They've got Dalvin Cook. You know, you're still paying Kirk a lot of money, potentially have a rookie come in. I think they knocked it out of the park, personally.
1: Knocked it out of the park, absolutely. Um, It's what they needed. It's what they needed to – help with the, the way their scheme operates. Um, so great scheme pick, great need pick. And I just – I think he's going to do really well with the Vikings. Um, and I feel like they still got a steal getting him as late as 23 because I could have seen him going in the top ten.
0: He really could have. Um, and and the, the one pick, i uh, trying to think who it was, the guy at USC who was where a lot of people put, what, fourth or fifth offensive tackle, the Jets traded up to get him – um a little interested by that because of what they do. I always thought Tucker was more of a power guy versus a zone. And since they're going to be running the Shanahan offense, it's more zone, more zone plays yep. than anything. Um, you know, I, I didn't quite agree with that. And then he slips down. It's all good. He's still great spot. For him, probably a better spot because he's going to a team – that up until last year had been a playoff team. He's going to do a good culture team. Same with Barley. Yep. They're both going to really good teams where, you know, they don't have to come in here and make a big splash. They can just come in there and do their job and start building their reputations up. Yep, exactly. Uh, so next, um, in a probably a guy looking like he was going to be – Probably somewhere between 120, 160. Divine Diablo goes way up, but yep. it is the Raiders. It that's is the not, Raiders. That's not a shock. Um, goes to pick 80. And the most interesting part, I don't know if you caught this on Friday night, Brian, did you hear what they announced him as? Uh, yeah. Weak side, outside linebacker, right? Weak <laughs> And... With Devine being 6'3", 225, I mean, he can do it.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that's a good fit for him because it, it plays to his strengths, and it also gives the Raiders a versatile uh, nickel package where they can kind of do a lot of different things yeah. um, in, based on his alignment pre-snap. Um, so I like that for them being able to not have to sub a lot. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good pick for them, and uh, you know the Raiders, not quite as stable, I guess, of a franchise as the Titans and Vikings have been of late. But at the same time, not terrible. Uh, very, very feast or famine type, uh, type franchise, but definitely some potential there with uh, with
0: Chucky pulling the strings. Absolutely. Um, again, I think scheme fit is good. I think just the way he's built, he's becoming. You're going to see it more and more. Guys who played the free and strong positions in college who don't quite have the great range but can tackle, still have good speed, they're going to start putting them at weak side linebacker. To your point, it gives you excellent, excellent nickel packages because guys like him, although against guys like George Kittle and the elite tight ends, he still might not be able to completely contain or completely control them, he will contain them to, you know, he had six catches for 80 yards. Great. Well, if you put the other Schmo out there, he would have went 12 for 190 and two touchdowns. At least we have someone that can control him a little bit because of size and speed. Exactly. All right. Last hokey went off the board. To me, so many running backs were picked ahead of him, um, including, you know, the – my team uh, picking one ahead of him. Khalil Herbert goes to the Bears. Uh, what a story from going yeah. to Kansas, um, having some monster games there, but never becoming the one. Transferring to the portal, coming to Tech in a season without fans, having one of the most unbelievable seasons for a running back in the history, rivaling you know David Wilson's, Ryan Williams, Darren Evans, Jones and Suggs type seasons. I mean, just 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 so happy for him because that guy went on a journey from Florida. Yep. <laughs> I mean, a journey. What do you think about fit for him there? I think fit is going to
1: be. I think it's good because he can work some. As we've seen, we he did a lot with uh, with kick returning. He can work some there, and he because of the stable of running backs they had, it's going to be a little tough sledding to get snaps. But I think he's a very good complementary fit. Um, in a kind of a three-type skill-specific uh, rotation, there, um, and I think he could work himself into a position where he's kind of that uh, that one A uh, in the uh, in the rotation. So I'm hoping that he does well. I I think I mean obviously we followed him all year. Incredible season, yeah. huge numbers, third in the country in all-purpose yards. Um, what second in the uh, in the ACC in rushing yards? I mean, he went out there and completely tore it up for us this past year, and you know he showed that. You know, we saw flashes of it at Kansas in a shared role. Once he got the lead back status with us, he really showed that he could carry that load and, and, and do everything that a running back is asked of.
0: Absolutely, a couple other. Undrafted guys, Jared Hewitt to the Seahawks. Oscar Bradburn's going to get a chance with the Vikings. Brian Johnson with the Bears. Justice Reed um, going down to the Titans. So other guys getting signed. I know I'm probably missing a couple. I'm trying my best here. Um, But those guys are at least getting camp invites for a way to work, potentially on it. The one of those four I mentioned to watch out for to get a starting job, Brian Johnson. Bears kicker troubles. He just goes out there and makes like from 45 to 50s consistently. They'll be like, You're a kicker. If you if you're making most
1: of your under fifties, especially if they're if most of those are over 40, they gonna keep you. Yes,
0: they're they gonna are. keep you
1: because they they've had struggles. If you can bring some degree of consistency to that kicking game, that's gonna keep you a job.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's turn a little more serious note, you know. Devin Hunter's plea agreement came through a little earlier this week. Um, probably the biggest things that came out of this, Brian, was obviously all the charges went from felonies down to misdemeanors. He will not serve any time um, other than the essentially a couple of days he spent after the initial incident, basically two-year terms, spending it all but one day for each year. Um, you know – I, I I mean, it took what is it? Almost a year. We're closing in on almost, a year. You're closing mm-hmm.
1: in on a year. I think it was uh, what late June.
0: Yeah, I think late June last year. No, September last year. September oh, last me. year. It was close. It was close.
1: I could. I. I you know,
0: it's been COVID, guys.
1: Excuse, excuse the uh, the the faulty memory. <laughs> it happens.
0: It happens to us all. Um, but now, you know. That's past him. I, I, the way it kind of seemed, he wanted to fight it, but eventually he said to himself, I need to get on with college and other things I want to chase in my life. This gets it down to here, and, and I can move on. The he question- can take a step forward,
1: move on. And, you know, we had, we had talked about it. Um, I, I posted on the on the Twitter account there. You know, hopefully there's a path for him back for the Hokies. If not, I'm, I'm hoping there's a path for him back to football somewhere. Um, good kid. I think, you know, and everything that he's said and done since then, I think he's been the right step. And, um, you know, sometimes life judges us based on, on our, on our one bad choice there. And uh, I feel like that, that's something that happened with him. And I I feel like he's definitely put that past him and and is ready to move forward. And I'm hoping that um, he gets an opportunity, if not in Blacksburg, somewhere else.
0: Yeah, if not in Blacksburg, somewhere else, hopefully in Blacksburg. Um, you know, because essentially if you remember everything going through Paul Camp, kind of getting the wheels turning here, he was doing everything he was at, and it looks like he was gonna start at, you know, rover boundary safety last year. And obviously when he when everything happened, he was out, kind of changed the complexity of the defense. You didn't have him in Divine in the middle, where Devine the starter, you know, Hunter more of the freak. So I don't know what has to happen. I know it's probably going to be J-board stuff or J-board type stuff with, you know, Virginia Tech itself and then the athletics department. But with the felonies gone, there's that path. And to me now it's the university, with Babcock, and then Justin. It's it's those three guys that have to make the decision. And for a kid who's been here for three-plus years – this is the only thing he was done. High recruit had done everything asked of him, took a red shirt, did not complain. I really hope they say, come back.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Absolutely. Um, hopefully that w- we find something out on that front in the the next couple of weeks. But as you said, getting the felony charges out there mean that there's no longer the the automatic barrier to return. Yeah. And removing that, hopefully the wheels start turning here and we can get uh, get some some headway on whether or not Hunter can rejoin the team sometime
0: soon. Hopefully. All right, news breaking today that set Hokie Twitter again off of rage One rage. It's the been other. a week, man. It's been a week on Hokie Twitter. Jesus Christ. Sometimes Hokie Twitter, y'all just need to take about ten shots and just go to sleep. But Corey uh, Saunders took the portal, the three-star – Bill um, freshman out of Jacksonville. Uh, you know the the tweet seemed cordial, in what seems like you know he's projected at slot. First of all, Tavion Robinson we know can play slot, so that hurts your chances right there. And then Dwayne Lawson can, can play
1: slot. Dwayne, Dwayne Lawson, Lawson can, can, play slot. can play slot.
0: Dwayne Lawson can play shot. And and then this happens, and then he's in the portal. You know, first of all, best of luck to him. Whatever happens, I hope he lands somewhere where he can find the playing time. You you said something on Twitter, and it it sort of summed up the way we kind of feel. We talked about it. You put it out there.
1: Yeah. So I mean, we're looking at it from a two prong approach here. Um, The problem that we're having. Big, big time is that outside of our first two guys, we don't have anyone proven to play outside. Um, Trey's a very solid outside player, if not spectacular. Yeah. And Tay makes plays, but is probably better suited for the slot. Um, outside of those guys, there's not a whole lot of proven Ooh. talent that can play on the edge. Um, but we got a ton of guys that can play the slot now. Um, ton of guys. Uh, and it makes it hard for guys to to get enough snaps to really show their potential, and I'm I'm sure something like that is what's going on with with Tyree there, and he's a talented kid, made some huge plays down in Florida, and I feel like he's just a guy that thinks that given the opportunity, given the snap count in practice, he can show what he can do, get more playing time at another place, so that's the choice there, and you know I don't I don't. Blame him there, but let's go back to the problem that we're having and when we look at the outside guys and the slot guys. Why are we building the roster like this? Well, to
0: me, it's on two people. <laughs> it's on two people. It's on the head coach, yep. and it's on the offensive coordinator. Because, okay. right? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with get, you. I, we can't blame the other side of the ball. Can you put some emphasis on Jafar Williams and saying Jafar is partially your fault, too? Potentially, yeah. But Jafar isn't the one constructing. But Jafar's the position coach, Jafar's so the guy recruiting. It's how Brad and it's how Justin are constructing this.
1: Yeah. It goes what's the, what's, the, what's the blueprint? Like there and, is a, you. and you gotta and you gotta have like even if you miss on the guy that you're targeting, you know, you, you gotta have some sort of fallback that fits the type of player that you need to fill the the areas of need. Um, and I feel like we just haven't had that. I mean, maybe one of those other guys that's working in the slot can, can figure out how to uh, can figure out slotting outside. Maybe we'll see, but maybe. Uh, I mean, as of right now, it's just, we got a log jam at slot, including, you know, the guy that we've been banding about for, for, for a <laughs> while here in uh, Raheem Blackshear getting more snaps in the spring probably going to be at least the rot- rotational at that position if not the number one guy come come fall uh it, it's just it's going to be tough to to see the field and i think saunders was a guy that was probably saying if you do the right things you're going to get some some time and it just hasn't come to fruition the way he wanted it to
0: so the, the biggest issue with me is we should be recruiting and maybe some of these guys are playing X and Y's. That's what you recruit because to me it's more than likely, and you've talked about this with linemen, recruit the tackles. If they can't play tackle, you can always go inside. If you can't play the X or the Y, you can always go inside likely to that position. And it seems like the guys like you're a slot. This is what you are. This is what you are. Instead of looking at the ten thousand foot view, it's the oh well you're an X, and you're a Y and you're a four. our and receiving
1: core is looking like the uh, what early two thousands uh, Redskins were like all the damn receivers are like six foot or under
0: Yep. <laughs> like Santana Moss and all of them right those are yeah dogs, yeah those early those early
1: uh, Randall L
0: and <laughs> yeah everybody was small. so again it's on two people um why he's leaving the program, you know, if, ands, or buts, blame coaching staff because it is coaching staff's fault, not recruiting correctly. Um, And that is what it is. So, you know, now let's go to something that will make, you know, some people really happy. (laughs) Um, The hard hat winners for 2021, 62 total, which, you know, out of 85 on scholarship, I couldn't tell you how many are walk-on the time or you're not, but roughly with 100 plus guys, you're looking at three-fifths of your roster or hitting certain benchmarks in the weight room, which is great. Now, I look a little bit closer, and me and you both did this. Who are the top guys? Obviously, he was on ACC Network this morning. Dax Hollyfield uh, was the top guy. Followed by Luke Bustle, the walk-on wide receiver. Potentially maybe he's getting some PT in the fall <laughs> with the wide receiver troubles. And then, you know, Norrell Pollard. defensive That's lineman is definitely going to be on the two deep. Awesome to see. Blaxton Burmeister, the potential starting quarterback for the Hokies. Uh, we keep going down. Todd Brockhoffman and Letica Smith. I love that. Those two guys, Marco Lee. Marco Lee was already a beast. <laughs> Doing this shows that he was willing to put forth that effort. And let's hope somebody, not going to say who, realizes you have a 235 pound man child. When it's third and two, you don't have to kill your quarterback. I digress. Josh Fugel. Josh Fugel. I Google's That's already in house himself. <laughs> um Keyshawn Artis looks massive. And last but not least, walk on Max Philpot. So how do you feel about those names, Brian?
1: I feel pretty good, especially, you know, seeing um Lestis and Brock in there. Uh I I feel really good about those guys. You know, you mentioned Keyshawn artists, uh, he looks like I'm trying to think <laughs> think of a good dude is swole man. Sweet. Looks like Latimer from the program coming down, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, yeah, you, know, you like seeing a, a leader like Dax at the top of that top of that list, um, just because. You know that regardless of what you see on the field, his leadership and the intensity that he brings to practices and to workouts and things yeah. like that, you know that, that that other players are feeding off that. So it's good to see him kind of at the top of the heap there.
0: Exactly. Some other names like you're glad to see on here. Obviously, we saw the big uh, squat the other week or the big lift the other week, Dwayne Lofton up in there, Hendricks made it, Big Stone Gap made it, Armani Chapman, really glad to yeah. see him up in there. Not sure if he made it last year. Hopefully that shows he's gotten a little bigger on the outside. Um, Amari Barno, good God almighty, if if, if he gains just, you know, we talked last year, like, he gets 255, 260. With hey, if, he,
1: if he just put on 10 pounds, good I mean
0: – Sky, Sky be, is the limit for that player. Sky is the absolute limit. Hand to God. If he put on that weight muscle, he kept his twitch. There might be five left tackles in the country that can legitimately block him one-on-one for an entire game without giving by, up. Brandon. By the end of the season, nobody wanted to see him anyway. If he, if he takes another step, that's going to be dangerous. It is definitely going to be really, really dangerous. Any other names on the list, Brian, that caught you? Uh, n- None that you haven't mentioned already. All right. A lot of names, which is a great thing to see. All right, Brian. So, while we were sleeping, in a way, the college football has been discussing revising a potential change. Tell me about it, Curtis. Somewhere between 8 and 12 is what they're saying their sweet spot's going to be. 12, and I eh? essentially saw the twelve. Folks, about four months ago <laughs> and times before that, we were in serious discussions about having an episode about a playoff idea Brian had. Brian basically talking about 12 teams, five conference champions. If a group of five can crack the top 12, they're in home games. First four get a bye, home games for the next four, then home games again. Then we start the playoffs. Brian, you might need to call somebody. Damn, Alexa, you were listening.
1: <laughs> and, you, and you told the NCAA of all freaking people.
0: Call your lawyer and sue everybody. Sue everybody. Sue everybody. <laughs> sue him, sue you, sue everybody. There but legitimately, <laughs> it is the way that it's going to go. They're saying 8 to 12. I think they're going to skip eight. And I think they're going to skip eight for the fact that you're going to have to do multiple home games. I keep hearing people say, well, you do you do here, and then you do a bowl, and then you do another bowl, and then you have a national championship. Nobody's going to travel that much. Essentially, one to four and four to eight are all going to get home games. And then we're going to go to the same format we are right now. And to me, it's going to be beautiful because – You know, this is my opinion, and whether it's right or wrong, this is my opinion. Getting more teams means there's more likelihood for chaos. Why? Because any one given Saturday, any team can beat another team. An average team can beat an elite team with a perfect game plan executed flawlessly, and that really high team is having an off night. I go back 2014 in the horseshoe. We were an average team that year. But the perfect game plan, both sides of the ball were put together against the eventual national champions. And when that happens, chaos is going to ensue. What also is going to happen, and I know I'm talking a lot, Brian, on your idea, but I'm flatly, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to love to see. You ready? When the number. Eight four five six seven eight Florida Gators have to play the number seven. Give me a team up north. Michigan. They have to go to the Michigan to the big house on December fifth. When it's negative Z, when it's negative five degrees, <laughs> there's snow on the ground. Hmm. Who do you think can have a better opportunity to win that game?
1: I went Michigan just because I was like, "What? what's a team up north that actually has a potential
0: chance of being there? Well, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, ah, right, let's, let's go for it. But also the whole thing about not having neutral sites for those first two weekends is great. Because how many times do you see a team in a hostile environment play better versus a neutral site?
1: Well, you're essentially getting one extra – high-profile game mm-hmm. for all of those good teams. So you're at least going to get probably in the same ballpark in attendance and and things like that that you would get at your rivalry game. Oh, Lord. Then you add in the big-time bump in revenue from the television stuff that's going to come in. Uh, th- that's just it, – it's hard to say no
0: to. It is it's 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 going to happen it's going to be brilliant to see i know they the the one thing i saw was they did a 2007 model and of course they did a 2007 right when we were three not two um and it showed the breakdown and it's like going here to going here but it's going to be so much the interest is going to keep going and some people sound to say it's going to dilute the regular season no it's not going to dilute the regular season Because if you're one of those top four teams, you're probably in. But you go fuck around and lose your rivalry game, you lost your home field advantage, and you might have actually lost the home field advantage. You might go from, like, four to nine. They're like, you're in, but your ass is on the road. Not once, but twice. Exactly. But, love it. Now, can we just get into playoffs? Like, me and you kind of sit here and look back and go through all the years as we've been a fans like with with a 12 team format good lord how many times have we have been there
2: yeah
0: in the last 25 years like 15 probably i mean close to it like 99 definitely 01 97 95 uh, 04 05 07 08 10 and 11 10. And it just gives you a chance. And what it's going to do, much like March Madness, more fan bases believe they can make it there. Yep. And the more you can give a fan base belief that they can make the playoffs, as you get into November, people don't turn off the TVs. People don't. not do Everybody this. makes money. Everybody makes money. Everybody makes money. All right, guys. So what we're looking at this week, if you haven't already checked it out, Pulled some clips off of Hokey Access on the ACC Network, aired after the baseball game last week. Actually aired tonight at 9 o'clock. And we pulled some clips that we want to talk about, things we're seeing, things we're hearing, some funny things, some things we want to give the clap to, some things we want to be a little critical of. So uh, let's start with the first couple clips here, Brian.
1: All right, here we go, buddy.
3: That's a good look. Hey, that's two good reps. Thanks for leaving me hanging, boss. It's all good. No, don't worry about it. It's over now. Oh, got you. I'm playing. You're wired, letting you know. Oh, man. But I'm going around to various players at each position group and asking them how their position coach is servicing them. How's he doing for you? To find out the snitches. Coach Smitty got you right. How's he doing for you? Good. Good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? He's what you need as a corners coach? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Good. (laughs) Dorian Strong, not a snitch
2: favorite coach on this staff. I gotta Don't go. say me. Don't say me. I got to go
3: Jafar. Position coach. Yeah, my position. Getting you right. Position. Getting you what you need as a wide out. It's like my pops off the field. Pops yeah. off the field. Like pops away from home. Yeah. There pretty. you go. Hey, how's Matt Cardula's been for you, man? How's the meetings going? How's he doing? Coaching real you up good. all right? Yeah, real good. Real good?
2: good? Yeah. I'm starting to learn a lot more stuff. Good.
3: A lot faster. Better to slow down like that. Yep. He coached a little bit for you, right? Help out. You think he'd be a coach one day? For sure. Good, Jalen Stroman. not a snitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's some good stuff right there. Uh, and, and when we talk about Jay Ham, uh, you know the big thing that we always talk about with Jay Ham is that he brings the it factor as a coach. Yes, he does. I don't know a better way to describe it than that—the it factor.
0: It's he, it.
1: Back. There is no other way to say, it, Brian. It's it. He just it, like his him interacting with players, with coaches, with media. It looks effortless. I know it's not. Um, I know that whether it's you know his experience or, or, or whatever it is, that it's a lot of work to get to that point. But it just it looks so effortless. He he, he just seems like a good culture fit for what Virginia tech likes to do, but also as good of a brand ambassador as you could find as a coach.
0: Absolutely. You talk about brand ambassador, I want that guy in front of the mic every single time there's anything to deal with a Hokie. Obviously we talked about earlier, the restrictions lifting. I am hoping that Richmond Hokie club has a Hokie club dinner in July and I'm hoping he's a speaker. Because me and you will throw some money down, and we will go through that in a heartbeat to hear that man talk. But it's also – it's his personality. I think it's also a guy you can also, you know, see he played multiple positions. He had to learn how to talk to multiple people in different ways. And then he went to the NFL. And you talk about, like, training. He was at VMI. You know, he wasn't at a big school. This is who he is. This is one of those things you get lucky and and obviously, talking with the players, asking what they need, are they giving you what you need? talking about the coaches, just getting a feel for everybody. I'm sure there were conversations in there that they probably edited out where it was like, I'm just not not I'm just not right right now, coach. And I wish they would have showed one of those in the conversation he had. I know I' part of one, and I think it was Dorian Strong, it was he talked about. If you can remember how to do all your DAPs, but you can't remember your covers, there is a problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he did that, that more... just
1: before he asked him about uh, about Smitty.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and the whole piece about that is basically saying to me, it, it's it's nice, and smooth, it's saying, make sure you know what to focus on. Yeah, work all comes right. first. Get get the other stuff in there too, but the
1: work comes. You know, got 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 to keep the focus where it needs to be.
0: Yeah. Now, the the next clip you're going to put is this is a different So That was the fun, joking, being easy. I'm. I'm. This clip speaks for itself tonight, Brian. When it comes back, I want you to go right into what he's talking about there as a guy who played. All right, here we go, buddy.
3: Things that are swirling around in your mind are happening. Here's what you need to know. The same way you feel right now is the same way that every young safety has felt. You gotta understand that. You got to. Divine Diablo, you look to him and it's like, man, that dude don't ever miss anything, right? Divine Diablo felt the same way you felt. There's no way around it. You work through it. And what you're trying to get to is how you watch the game. You press fast forward on the film. It's like, what am I even looking at? Oh, keep your rep. But your goal is to work until it looks like now you press slow motion. You see what I'm saying? When you get it to where it looks like slow motion, now you're balling.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is just, you know, we we talk about it all the time with the the interaction he has with the players, but I think the the way he communicates, um, he's he's not a, he he doesn't strike me as that hard-ass coach, but he's also not rah-rah. He's kind of somewhere in the, almost like that mentor type, type of leadership role and I think that speaks to a lot of these players cuz he's talking to them at their level and he's not just talking about you know how to get better but he's also talking about hey it's okay to feel this way everybody's been there but you got to push forward to get to the next step cuz if if you stay where you're at you're not going to go any further
0: yeah I like the way you put it with mentor he's the mentor that will He's he, partially your boss, and he will bust your balls, whether you're slacking, not studying correctly. But he's also trying to communicate with you in ways you can get better. And as he was talking to him, especially about the fast forward and the slow mode, I, I think people can visualize that. And you, Bud Foster talked about it for years. When this doesn't think and this just does the work, the feet do the work, it's almost like slow motion because the brain's not thinking. The brain's just reacting. And, again, he is that middle. He's got a little hardness. He's got a little rah-rah. He's got a little jokester in him. I also think there's times where he probably lays the law to him um, because I'm sure there are people out there slacking and not taking advantage of their opportunities where he can sit there and say, I was here, I did good, they moved me. I was here, I did good. And they moved me over here, and I still did good. There's no excuse. Work. Now the next, the next clip, Brian. I, I swear to God, about I almost peed my pants when I when I when this clip happened. This is just hilarious.
3: Yes, sir. We rolling. <laughs> Our entire relationship before we were married was built off of restaurants and movies. Like that's all we did. Our first date, he took me to Roose Chris Steakhouse. The joke was on her because when we started dating, I was like still trying to get back in the NFL. Had a little bit of pocket change left over. She thinks she's like falling for a guy that's going to get back in the NFL. And as it turned out, I took a job for about six bucks an hour as a strength coach.
2: True. And there
3: she was. She, truly I want the world to know or the hokey world to know. On our honeymoon, she checked my bank account and started crying. That's a true story. <laughs> Justin, good lord. Well, that is true. It is true. I probably should have cried too. I was naive.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love the last
2: line.
1: I probably should have cried too. I was naive.
0: I compared to Ruth Chris because <laughs> I mean, I mean geez, like he was it.
1: balling and probably had either a roommate or somebody who split the rent. Yep. and. Once once you got past the roommate biz and it was
0: all on you, it got real real quick. <laughs> exactly, but that, that this uh, that it's hilarious and it's also hilarious that a lot of us. This is one of those relatable moments to anybody. Probably, and you think about their ages when they were dating because he was probably in his mid twenties when they were dating. because yep. he he was in the league about three years. Who doesn't, when they're initially first dating, try to go to the nicest restaurant potentially available? Charlie's. Yep, Charlie's. Um, (laughs) You know, and and the the whole bank account thing, you know, you can tell J-Ham wasn't given anything. He tried to make it in the NFL. His knee messed up. He didn't make it. Guy took a $6, $6 an hour job to stay in football. And we're talking probably, what, 10, 12 years later? hands our age, right? Yeah. So That was probably 2007, 2008. You know. He
1: flipped that ago. in 12 years to, you know, almost half a million dollar salary. That's, uh, that's impressive. That's an impressive rise. That's an impressive uh, path to get there, especially because probably two-thirds of that he was making probably what we make or maybe maybe just yeah. under or just over depending on what where, yeah. where, where where the landing spot was yeah, um yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah that that's that's a big climb in a in a pretty short period of time so he knows how to grind and i think he can impart that on the players um you know we we always talked about with jay ham last year when there were some struggles especially in the first part of the season uh on defense you know, a lot of this, it's COVID-related. Um, I know everyone's dealing with it, but not everyone was installing a new defense with a new yeah. defensive coordinator. Um, so th- there's some differences there. Uh, but everything else that Jay Ham brings to the table, I mean, th- that's just, you can't just bottle that in or buy that off the street. I mean, th- there's a lot of intangible things that, Justin Hamilton brings to Virginia tech that you just can't find anywhere. And it's not just the fact that he played here.
0: Yep. It's very true. And, but having him play here, you know, he loves this place and you know, he will sell this place as hard as he can versus some schmo off the street. Who's here for a half million dollar paycheck. And that's one thing you got to love about him. Uh, next clip here. Go ahead, and roll it, Brian, And then we'll, we'll chat about it. Cause this is, this is some deeper stuff as well. Here we go, bud.
3: Obviously, not traveling, being home to see your wife and kids. The recruiting piece with COVID is good, but also like to have that. I mean, to have a kid be able to stop by and look at, you know, thirty minutes, forty-five minutes. Sometimes it goes longer. I try to keep it where it's within a thirty to forty-five minute window because after that, you're. I mean, yeah, you better give him social media break or <laughs> something, because it's hard to keep the attention. Plus, I don't want to do information overload. He's, I mean, he's the godfather to me. I remember being on the offensive side of the ball, and back in the old team room, when we had the divider, like the elementary school divider. You could hear everything in the unit meetings that was going on. We were in our unit meetings, and I was trying to pay attention in ours, but I'm listening to him, the way he was juicing the team up, and building their confidence and the standard and the demand. And it was like, man, this guy must be awesome to play for. And then when I got a chance to do it, I realized that he's awesome to play for if you know what you're doing. And and if you don't, then he's going to bring you to speed. Um, Clearly shows you
0: the affection he has for Bud, man. And the affection that probably was drifted across those walls for the, for the offensive side when Bud was at his peak. You know, that Justin's talking about early 2000s when the defense was essentially the, one of the best in the nation for so many years running. Um, and, again, we talked about it a few minutes ago. A guy that went from one side of the ball to the other played for that guy. You don't think he takes some of his qualities away? Oh, absolutely, dude. Um. I- shortly after that clip he talked
1: about the uh you know the the, the picture of them that's been yep. circulating a lot and talked about you know how do you know when to make the right call and um and he's like you know a lot of it a lot of its gut but he said a lot of it was late nights on wednesday watching tape yep. after all the other coaches had left and yep. so i think i think that's the big thing that jay ham takes from it is that it's
0: part trusting your instincts in part Put in the work. Put in the work. That piece you made, he talked about that Wednesday night. He said he he liked doing the full team, run the full team, but on Wednesdays was like his night. He sat in the film by himself. And again, that's something you wonder if he brings in, where it's like Wednesday night, I'm going to be here till three in the morning. And I am going to try to look at every little tendency this team has. And when they tip it, I'll run a banger. That was one of my favorite lines. You cut it out. bang <laughs> banger, baby. And how many times in our lifetime with Bud, he called the perfect call against whatever they were running, and it was massive loss, huge sack. Almost every
1: third down against Ohio
0: State. The a, a, perfect the call. That night, yes. <laughs> he seemingly had every single one of Urban Meyer's tendencies figured out that night. And he he capitalized on all of them. Going back to the first part, though, A, he mentions, obviously, COVID, being with his family. Um, For those listening on the podcast, you can't see the clip. Literally, Jay Ham's whole family is in there. It looks like they're having a pizza lunch. You know, see the whole episode he's running around. The kids come in. They talk about going to Best office, getting candy, playing in the weight room. Really family-oriented guy, man. But he also yeah. mentioned about a big side was having guys coming through the office 20, 30 minutes and just look at tape. And again, it shows you that connection. But again, also showed you generational, too. That once it hits 30, all right, we got cut off. Because somebody's going to take a them. little break. We'll take a Gotta little get break, break,
1: walk around, you got, you got to get, get a, a sip, check your, uh, check your
0: profiles, and we'll, we'll be back at it in 10. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, The one thing – and I'm going to be – I'm going to go on a little downer note here. The one thing that next year scares me about, and it's not about so much. If we have a bad season, Justin Hamilton's probably not coming back. There's some people on the staff that probably will, but Justin probably won't, And that breaks my heart because, A, it's a guy we watched – it's a guy we watched. You know, your first game was 0-2. My first game was 03 He was on the field for those plays.
1: Yep. He
0: was on the field in 0-4 on that team. And you know, and, and if we look at our fanhood, ninety five we were kids. We were right at we we're getting ready to go into middle school. Right in middle school, ninety nine we were in high school. 0-4 was our team. Though. I think 0-4 was our team. We were both you, you were at Sydney I was in Longwood. We watched games together when we could. you know we talked about it. I know we I went up to games that year. I feel like you went to one game that year like during your off week. I, yeah um, I only had one
1: game I was I was starting game. that year so
0: <laughs> but and he was part of that special team yeah and, and what hurts me as I look forward and the way I'm feeling towards next season is when we might lose this guy. So it's one of those things where I hope we knock it out of the ballpark. I hope I'm so freaking wrong next year. What I'm seeing from this team, because I want that guy in Blacksburg. I want that guy on campus. I want that guy to be our defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, I mean, just everything you watch. I mean, he's 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 very likable, Um, and I think as long as we can get some of the results, hopefully we can do enough to keep him around. Um, and I don't know what else to say, man. I mean, we like Jay Ham on this program, guys. We do. That's just the long and short of it. Um, I'd like to see, like I said, I'd like to see a little bit better, um, results in twenty twenty one on that side of the ball. But there, there was a lot of reasons why you didn't see him early last year. So on that side of the ball, I'm willing to give a little bit of a pass uh, until 2021 and we'll see what happens. But in terms of just personality and a guy you like to have as your head, your, uh, your defensive coordinator um, doesn't get any better.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's roll on. Let's uh, hear coach. We talk about spring ball.
2: All in general, you know, we have had a huge emphasis on the football, you know, taking care of the ball, taking away football. There's a more conscientious effort on the ball on both sides of of the football. Um, We made a huge point of emphasis on third down. Um, We weren't very good on either side of the ball on third down last year. Third and five! Back on third and five, Jay Ham. Third and five! Third and five! And then, like, we really got to get back to the way we practice used to be kind of our signature and we drifted away from that partially last year because we didn't practice and when we did it was just trying to make sure we had enough people there to get through it but um, and the guys have done a really good job of that today will be um, third down emphasis and some red zone stuff spring ball emphasis
1: keep control of the football, get better on third down on both sides of the ball, and practice like you damn well mean it.
0: What you got, Curtis? I'm I'm just glad he admitted it. We We were terrible last year on third down both sides of the ball. We were. I'm glad he said it out loud, and I'm glad he said it where the entire fans could hear him say it. (laughs) <laughs> um, because it it was bad. There were games last year, and I go back to the North Carolina game <clears throat> with that third down play. That third down play is another play call, and it's converted. I think that game changes. I think we win that game because I think we took their first three round punches hard. We got up and beat the shit out of them for the next two rounds, for the next six rounds. I think we win that game, but well, we screwed up. Wake bars, Jesus freaking Christ! Don't make me go into again. <laughs> But at least we have him admitting it on tape. Now, the other part is the takeaway thing. And that's a big thing because there were games last year when we were protecting the ball well, we did good. And there were games like BC when we stole the ball from them numerous times that essentially it prevented their momentum every time from going somewhere. Yep. So I'm glad to hear that. Um. Now, what I wish – would have been a little more detailed was, well, okay, what are you going to do to fix it? Because here's some things that we can say. Dayham hadn't had a chance to install his offense or his defense, excuse me. We can write that up and say, that's probably why third down wasn't great. Not enough execution running the plays you want. There were times where you saw missed like And, Brian, I'm sure you went over there numerous times. You probably just held your head at your house and just said, where the fuck was the guy who was supposed to be there? It's the, again, it's the other side that worries me. Yep. It's year five. It was year five. And a lot of the same shit we saw for the first four years showed up in the fifth year. Are you going to do anything in the sixth year to change it, Justin?
1: Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to, I mean, I know he's not very big on giving – the opponents, anything, but I think it would be nice to see some sort of plan as far as how they're going to achieve that. What uh, we, we've got the, the the areas of emphasis. All right, so now that we've got the areas, how are you emphasizing that? Are, is is this more? Uh, are there more drills that emphasize that? We at least got to see some some drills there uh, with ball protection and things like that. So that was good to see. But you know what else? What else are they doing to protect the ball? What else are they doing to keep the ball out of the other team's hands? And what else are they trying to do on defense to, uh, you know, force those turnovers, which is less in Foo's direct category, but still under his purview as head coach there. So it'll be interesting to see if that comes to fruition. Um, I mean, ball security has always been a big, big point of emphasis for Foo nice. every spring practice, every fall camp. That's been like the nature of every quarterback battle that we've had. First season without a quarterback battle, though, but for every Bruce. emphasis, <laughs> emphasis of every uh, every quarterback battle was making sure that they protected the football.
0: How did Ryan Willis want a starting job? Then,
1: excellent question.
0: <laughs> I would like to get into some guys <laughs> who are in that in those practices and be like, how, how? All right, Brian. Next segment here. And uh, I'm going to do a little intro to this one. Go. So, Brian Siegel has labeled this the good, the bad, and the ugly of Coach Fuente. Have a listen, and you'll probably agree script
2: out all 15 practices. Um, this year I, I scripted 1 through 12 and let 13 to 14 and 15 open which those will be next week. But I, I like that part of it cuz I take 1 through 1 through 5 or 1 through 6 and say this is what we're going to work on. You know, these are our points of emphasis. And then the next segment, you know, whatever it is, 6 through 9 or 7 through 9 or However, it all falls week by week, ending on a Saturday scrimmage. Okay, and my point to you today is, it is practice 11. Okay, it's time for us to separate ourselves from everybody else. Okay, everybody in America has enthusiasm and passion on the first day of spring ball, the first day of pads, but that's not what happens in practice 11. Okay, so it's time for our older players It's time for our leadership to not accept anything other than the same type of enthusiasm and passion for today. Today is the day, okay? Saturday, we're going to scrimmage, and you guys are going to be fired up and ready to go. Today is the day that we have to separate ourselves everybody else one, two, three. if you'll stick with this it's gonna all work out yes, I mean, it may not work out tomorrow you know i don't know when it's gonna be yes, i'm just gonna tell you like if you have grit or toughness and stick to it to this and we'll bust your ass and continue to develop it's gonna work out Yes, sir.
1: okay let's, let's start let's, with the last one let's start let, with the last let, one
2: let's start with the
0: ugly <laughs> the grit. And Toughness that, and stick what to what it. Do stick to do to this? Dude, I, I swear this is my theory on that. I think the Saturday before they taped this, because obviously this would have been this would have been Monday or Tuesday of the week they taped it. This is what I think happened. I think Coach Fuente had all the coaches over for a little barbecue, right? Yep. Barbecue, let's have some beers. We probably just had some producing stuff that day going through what's gonna happen next week with the show. And they're sitting around there having beers. And somebody says, Coach Foo, probably Van Vice. i put Vice on this more than anybody. I don't know why. I just, I think, watching <laughs> watching the offensive line, I think he'd do this sort of shit. I think, <laughs> Foo, I bet you can't get these three things into that episode in some way. <laughs> I have one. And Foo's sitting there on the other side of the fire pit, and all the coaches look at Vice, and then they all look at him. Bullshit. Put 10K on. I bet I could. his beard, stands up, shakes each other's hands, and then he snuck it in there with a walk on from Stewart's draft. Probably the only time that guy will ever see any television time in his Hokie career. And no knock to him. No knock to him. But he's a walk on offensive lineman. Yep. And those stories are few and far between yeah i mean
1: when you look at it like that it's uh again we talk about it all the time with the buzzwords and again that's fine for like you know you get you, you know you get the we used to get like the binders with our like summer workouts or you know you get your playbook you however it's delivered to you tablet iphone whatever that's fine for like stuff like that. That's fine for, you know, meetings where you're talking to a large group of people. That's not the type of individual interaction that feels organic and real to me. Um, and I feel like there's other, there, there's other interactions that were significantly better for that for food. but that, that felt, that felt forced and trite and again, it kind of that it has to be that he has to be trolling. There's no way that's not a troll.
0: This is not a troll.
1: <laughs> oh man! But let's go back to practice eleven though, because I feel like that is the good in that three-section clip. There is that. Yes. I feel like that. That was some. That was some good motivational talk, but it also personalized it. Yes, he did, and it, it it put things in perspective for the players heading into not just practice eleven, but knowing that all right, guys, fucking scrimmage is coming up. We got to get right so we can get the most out of that scrimmage. And I think that that was a good a good way of bringing those ideas to the table and getting the players ready for that uh, that practice eleven.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. That seemed very genuine. Also, the way he talked to the leaders. Because he he's, he like he singled those out, and I'm sure they're the team captains and the unit captains know who they are. And it's almost like everybody's happy for practice one. Everybody, it's practice eleven. We've hit each other. We we've, we've been grinding. We've been lifting. We're probably not feeling the best. Bring that enthusiasm now, because what happens is you're going to get in November, and regardless of your record, the enthusiasm that you had the first few weeks or the enthusiasm for a big night game or something, 12 o'clock in pit is not going to be the same thing. So it's almost like getting them mentally trained. There's going to be situations you've got to be able to bring that energy. And obviously there were some times last year, primarily that Liberty game, when the team did not bring the energy. Now I say with the group we have this year as leaders go, I don't think that's going to be missing. Now – Let's go to the bad. We talked about this earlier. Anytime I hear, and I don't care if this is a head coach, a corporate trainer, a teacher, a professor, whatever line of business you're in, I have these 15 scheduled just like this because it's the way I want it. I immediately say, Did you fucking up already? If you're planning
1: that far, then you're already setting yourself up to fail. And even with, with the modification, I mean, three practices isn't enough, in my opinion, to circle no. back on on the need areas. I, I felt like you go like 10 and 5 or, or something like that where – and even maybe take a building block approach to it where you're yeah. kind of installing and or emphasizing different things at different weeks – and then use kind of the end to circle back, either bring it full circle or circle back on those areas that you saw that were concerning.
0: Um, Yeah, I, I think I will give him credit. Essentially leaving the last three open does give the opportunity though, to let's look at what we did the first 11 practices. Is there anything specifically we need to work on really hardcore those days? So it's okay, but I'm with you. You don't put it at practice 12, 13 and 14. You put it at practice five, you put it in practice ten, you you, you, you sort of you, – you spread them out. So after that first week of practice, you know, what if, you know, the the zone drills that were running by the offensive – they've been killing it. Man, they've been getting up. They've been getting to second level. They've been handing off. Great. Do you need to work on that? No. But let's say pass pro handoff have been shitty. Shitty. That's what you're working on today. Or line, or Brian, your favorite safeties. You guys at far sitting in your zones and covering men out of the backfield. Awesome. But Brian, what? What do safety sometimes screw up? Uh, run fills. Been <laughs> screwing that up. Let's. Pro- so it's bad because it seems like he was very set in at fifteen. Now he has come off of it a little bit. But again, the way we're seeing it is maybe you even need to adjust it a little bit more that's just us
1: yeah i i mean i have nothing necessarily blatantly wrong to say that that's the wrong approach but i just feel like the full scripting was was definitely a problem so whatever he was doing before um maybe this is him evaluating and saying hey we need to have something at the end here where we're like I said, either circling back to what didn't work or uh, kind of looping everything into all right, these, these three practices are going to be, you know, heavy emphasis on, you know, whether it's like half line or, you know, scrimmage sections, wh- whatever it may be, there's going to be some sort of emphasis to either bring it all together or circle back on the things that we saw in those previous 10 or 12 that
0: didn't work the way we wanted to. Absolutely Alright so Last clip We look at tonight um, To me this brings out A little more human side Of Fuente And I think uh, uh, Me and Brian There are a couple pieces In here we definitely Can relate with
2: Standard I like to get in In the morning First of all Because nobody else is in Usually get some things done It's kind of like my time Plus uh, You know Like my kids are involved in sports, and during the springtime particularly, it's easier for me to to get in early and and then get out so I can go see them play. You know, so I mean that's the number one goal. Is don't hit any deer on the way to work because they outnumber the cars about ten to one. But I've hit a few in the evening time. I came back from a Hokie club event in Roanoke and got side blasted by a couple of them it's always the second deer that gets you not the first one uh, they're always traveling twos i didn't know that until here like i don't have like a one go-to like i i do i am a music guy so i do listen to music i have i have started got, getting into the pod podcast game do you know who neil degrasse tyson is yeah, he's pretty cool <laughs> ah, It like blows your mind on the way to way to way to work <laughs> the laugh the like throat clearing laugh
1: every time gets me
0: the laugh is it's so genuine though <laughs> that that laugh is you know he's being very genuine about things when he laughs like that. And it's awesome to see and he even turned around and looked I'm guessing at the camera guy in the back like he's like
2: Ooh. Um, yeah
0: either the
1: producer that set up the cameras in the vehicle or he was I don't know if he's filming shots back there but he was he was definitely part of the production no doubt and uh, he's like yeah let's and Neil DeGrasse Tyson
0: huh? whoa. <laughs> obviously big And who said he'd listen to like of those three Rogan episodes and I think they were like three and a half hours each so it is a, you do the, the T- Degrass Tyson with Joe Rogan, it's like you were in for like a half a day um, I'll say this at the beginning, he told himself as an introvert, I like to get in the office when there's no bleeping body there
1: Yeah, I can get more work done, nobody bothers me
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ you're a football coach of over 100 people with like 40 people on staff how can you be a freaking introvert uh but you know, at least again, we're seeing sides of his personality. Now, something me and Brian will absolutely confirm. And obviously Blacksburg's about two and a half hours where we grew up, but we can confirm southern part of Virginia, there is a shit ton of deer. Um Yeah,
1: I, I, I caught one on the way to uh in Sydney one time and it's shit all over my car.
0: <laughs> I luckily have never caught any, came close a few times in the truck back in the day. But he is right. Usually they, they do travel in packs. I'll also say watching go watch and watch that video again. His head's moving, dude. It's that is how you drive on a backcountry road at four o'clock in the morning going to work. Like, where the hell are you assholes at? You're gonna jump out here. And it's great to know that he's been sideswiped a couple times. Which sideswipes okay. They can pop it out of the door real, real freaking easy. Um, yep. And uh, but it's funny he's had those incidents and obviously I'm guessing in Oklahoma obviously wide open terrain not much forest not a lot of deer hunting um, and if there is you can see them from miles away um, now the one last piece I want to hit and and I'm going to I, I think we relate to this hard Brian we, we both have kids our kids yeah. have played sports and he's talking about his girls being really involved in sports in the springtime and his goal is to get in as early as possible, get his work done so in the evenings he can go see. And whether you like this coach, whether you're indifferent to this coach or you hate this coach, you must respect that. Because there are a lot of coaches out there that legitimately disregard their families for this business. And and you have you know, you have kids that essentially they aren't right as adults because dad was in the office 18 hours a week. And obviously he values that you saw it with Jay hantu they value that. And it was said yeah. numerous times during this show family. And I think that's the big
1: takeaway from this whole thing is that it's obvious that both of the coaches that were the primary focus of the all access they care about the players they care about what they're doing you might disagree with how they're doing it you might think they're not a good fit for the for the role but they care and they they genuinely care about the players they generally care about the school and they they generally care about the fans now you might think that how they go about showing that isn't what you expect or what you want from an access standpoint from a fan interaction standpoint and we agree with you. Yep. But I think sometimes we, we get to a point where we cross over between treating these guys like an employee that we don't think is up to snuff and someone that we genuinely dislike or hate. And I think there's a difference between those two. And I think sometimes, you know, we can cross the line on that. It gets easy. We're fans. We're passionate. We're passionate. When you get passionate about something, you know, you say and do things that uh, may not always align with what you would do in a normal situation. But like I said, at the end of the day, I think both of these guys are really good for the school um, in terms of how they interact with with uh, with the players and the uh, and the fans. I just think we need we need more from them on that front in terms of the the reciprocation because i feel like we're getting a lot of that one-way stream that we've been talking about and and this is another example of that and i feel like this this gave us probably as much or more than we've gotten from any other um production so far um but I like i said i think the thing that's still lacking is that uh that reciprocation where you know, they're giving us something and we're giving them something back or we're showing them something or they're showing us something. Um, more of those type of things would be great. And if if this was, you know, if we had those things, this this would be probably considered one of the best uh, access pieces that we've gotten. But without those other interactions, it's kind of this is great, but, you know,
0: but it's the but. It's the butt. It's we're, they're on the precipice of doing every of doing this stuff right. They're on the precipice, and this season, the win and loss totals is what will matter, because if it is again see, I've said it before, the season we're feeling is going to happen, which is not going to be good? Again, we hope we're wrong, but if it is that really good season, and you know the staff is retained. Someone in the athletic department has to just step in and say, these are things that are going to happen. And if you don't like it, then you may leave. Because we're not going to leave, obviously.
2: No.
0: And then I think what we see with, obviously, we knew Ham's personality. But you start seeing a little more Fluency's personality. It's there. You've heard the behind-the-scenes stories. There has to be someone to say, make that be you out there every time. And people will love you. If you're winning games and this is who you are, You have the potential to become a second god, excuse me, a third god down here. But if you don't show them who you are, they question. So, yeah. Anything else you want to add or maybe breaking as we wrap up tonight, Brian?
1: I haven't seen anything come across my board, so I think we're good to wrap up, buddy.
0: All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner podcast. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. This week, have a listen to our May thirteenth, two 2020 episode. We titled that one Econ 425, Resource Allocation in the Recruiting Age. So if you're wondering about Reach for Excellence... Go back and listen to that and some of the things we said well over a year or right out a year ago about things that had to be done. It'll open your eyes to where we were thinking a year ago and what's slowly happening. Now, while you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and your favorite source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening, and as always, let's go! Okies!